Welcome to Fran Path Consulting Podcast. I'm Sam Schweitzer. And I'm Brittany Bodie. And together we are Fran Path Consulting. Good afternoon, Brittany McLennan Bodie. I just wanted to shake it up. I know you're not a hyphenate. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Sam. How are you? I am doing well. How are you? I'm good. I'm doing well. Thank God I'm not a hyphen. That would be a real mouthful if I had to introduce myself like that every time. Yes, it is. I Professionally, I'm not, but in life, when we do things as a couple, I am. And it is, you know, that 20-some letter last name is a lot to take on. <laughs> so I definitely feel that pain. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm excited to be here today. We're We have really cool guests coming on, but something you and I were talking about prior to jumping on here, because I feel like we're talking at least 20 times a day or it's not a normal day for us, is about the caliber of the candidates that we have right now and just how that shifted over the last few years. And we've just noticed in franchising in general, there's this massive amount of executive level people with very healthy net worths coming into the franchise space and looking at it as just another avenue to grow wealth, just another investment that they're going to take on. And it's really raised the bar for franchisors and franchisees. Mm -hmm. I mean, we've talked a lot on the podcast about one of the things that I'm really excited about is just the range of people investing has grown. You know, when I started in franchise development a decade ago, it was primarily the baby boomer generation investing. And what we're seeing is people are willing to make that investment earlier on in their careers. And also people are willing to make the investment not just as a replacement to the job, um, which is a lot of what you're alluding to. So I think as a whole franchising, we're doing a better job of just educating people that there are so many ways to build wealth beyond just the market and real estate. And so it's really exciting to us to just help more people take that next level, make that next investment through franchise ownership. Certainly the demographics of franchisees are shifting continually and improving. In, in my opinion, I think there's more people at the table that we've said many times, more millennials, more women, more people that are doing this in a semi-passive capacity because they know how to build teams and how to manage these things. And it has really raised the bar of franchisors and they have to be more prepared. They have to be ready to help these individuals. And we're seeing different types of franchisors coming into the mix too. Traditionally, we used to have a business owner that was really great and owned a donut shop. And all of a sudden they said, well, let's bring, you know, a donut shop national. And we'll put up a hundred of these and we are really good at donuts. But now we're seeing franchisors coming in that are really good at systems, really good at business. And that appeals to a totally new group of folks. Well, I think that there are some smart companies that are coming into the franchise space to elevate the industry. I'll get calls occasionally that, you know, someone's asking me like, how do I franchise my business? And what I recommend to people is talk to someone that really knows what that takes. 
Um, you can't just have a great idea and automatically franchise. You have to be ready to support franchisees. You have to be well capitalized to do so. You have to have a reputable system that you can build good systems and process and support around. So what I love is there are really experts in the industry now that have built multiple franchise brands that are able to take some incredible concepts and really bring them to market with great support. I think that's a great jumping off point for the two gentlemen that we have today who are doing just that backed by a bunch of experience and great ideas and a ton of integrity, which is incredibly important. I am really excited to introduce Bobby Brennan and Jeff, our managing directors of Front Street Equity Partners. Thanks, Sam. Hey, thank you so much for having us. We're excited to uh, share more with you. We are so excited to have you guys and the level of experience that you have in within your partnership really is the exciting piece to Sam and I. So you have decades of experience across your team, helping countless people on the franchisee and the franchisor side. So what ultimately led you and your other partners to build out this firm? What was the catalyst for this next move? Yeah, that's a great starting point. I mean, that's, that's, we, we, we've always in our careers, we've always wanted to build something very unique. We're brand builders. I mean, at the end of the day, we're brand builders. We have a, we have a very clear mission. We want to, we want to exponentially grow enterprise value in a compressed time frame. And what that basically means is we, we want to, we, we really want to set up brands for success for a, in a, in a long-term way, but um, we want to be able to provide resources in, in a, in a long-term partnership with these brands to, to really set the stage for doing something really transformational. I mean, that's, that's really where it's at between Bobby and myself and, and the other managing directors and partners of our company. We've built over 50 brands. We've opened over 10,000 territories. Um, and, you know, it's, it's, we've really kind of touched every single aspect of franchising throughout the years of our careers. And we have been on the franchise development side We've been franchisors. We've exited brands to private equity. We've exited brands through IPOs. Like the real, the real kind of like cradle to, to exit type scenario. And we just thought that there were gaps in the marketplace. I mean, certainly there are, uh, there are service providers to franchisors. We're, we're not a service provider. We're, we, you know, we're Front Street Equity Partners began as a strategic investment firm, boutique private equity company. And we realized that like there's even there's even gaps kind of in the private equity world right now where there's not a tremendous amount of like rolling up the sleeves. There's de they're definitely there for capital and they're definitely there for advisory. But there's just so much more that's kind of been left on the table. So. You know, when we think about building brands, we spend a lot of time on the front end before we even kind of go to launch. You know, kind of the, the popular thing out there now is kind of like a, a franchise sales organization, and they might spend, you know, 
two, three months with a brand before they kind of go to market. And as soon as they've had, you know, tremendous success, they're probably kind of going to move on to the next brand. We're, you know, we're there from the beginning to the end. We, we spend anywhere from six to 12 months, what I call like stacking the deck. I mean, if you're a brand, every, I mean, that's just, that is, if you ask them, Hey, where do you want to be? I mean, they want to grow their business. They want to build it into a hundred million dollar, you know, valued company, but it's like, okay, how are you going to really get there? So, I mean, for us, we have certain pillars of our business that, that are really differentiating when you kind of package them up. So it starts with strategic investment. We have, uh, Bobby is managing the pillar of franchise development. Everything for us is we want, we really need to bring the best level of talent to increase the probability of success of growing a brand the way that we, you know, that we want to do it. Um, so strategic investment, franchise development is a pillar. We have an executive staffing pillar within our company because every one of these brands needs really strong internal leadership across operations, marketing, if it's brick and mortar, real estate, construction, you name it. So, you know, we, we created a pillar of executive staffing so that we can make sure that our brands have the, the level of attention from the right type of, of talent leadership that they need with that goes, you know, when you're in, when you're into something long-term, you really are their board of advisors. We needed to bring a, another pillar of strategic advisory to our business so that we can not only get a brand to market and launch and scale and get traction, but scale management all the way through an exit is pretty critical. And then the fifth pillar, and then I'll kind of turn it over to Bobby to kind of add some stuff in. We're really excited. At the beginning of next year, we're going to be launching our own merchant bank, which is investment banking for our brands. So there's such an advantage to, to getting an investment banking company in as early as possible so that they can actually grow with the business versus just kind of starting from scratch towards the end when when they want to run a process so with that investment banking piece that will really kind of create that'll kind of close the loop on 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 what front street equity partners is really all about strategic investment and capital and strategic advisory executive staffing and, and talent acquisition um investment banking and, and franchise development. And that's how you grow a brand. And that's how you that's how you grow it in a compressed time frame to really change the growth curve and and, and exponentially kind of grow the the enterprise value of the company. So with that, that was like the longest run on sentence probably in podcast <laughs> in podcast history. But, uh, oh no, we we can refer you to some episodes that may <laughs> that is absolutely not the case. Sure. <laughs> no, I, I think Jeff, I think Jeff, you hit on a, a really a lot of them, and I think you know my kind of path. I, I've been like you said, Jeff. What Jeff didn't mention is he was kind of one of the creators of the first franchise sales organization. He kind of dreamed that up back in the day um, while I was probably still in college chugging beers, um, but maybe even before then, but. Right. 
<laughs> but um, I, I've been on the franchise e side. I've worked with franchisors, for franchisors, and have been in the franchise development. And I was, in in my opinion, with one of the best franchise sales organizations out there. And what I actually saw too was there were gaps, just like Jeff mentioned, is whether it was when they went to scale or bring the right staff on. A lot of those times I was talking to these franchisors and our job was to help award franchises, set expectations, bring on the bright candidates. But I noticed, hey, if you don't start hiring these people, you guys are going to be in trouble because you don't know what you don't know. And I think the analogy used earlier um, of the donut shop franchisee, hey, he's a, he's a great owner himself and I want a franchise. I use the analogy of sports. The best player doesn't always make the best coach. And I say that a lot just because doesn't mean they're going to be good at teaching other people how to be successful. They could run it successfully themselves. And I saw a lot of these franchisors needed support. They needed help. And the solution out there on the mainstream is a franchise sales group where they really do the sales and they don't do a ton of the other services. Maybe they offer some, but it's ancillary. It's, you know, it, it's not the same depth. And when, you know, Front Street kind of, we started having conversations about doing what we're doing today in more of a private equity you know, franchise advisory, it really clicked with me that, hey, this is what the franchisors need is they need a strategic advisor. Because if I'm a franchise sales organization, I don't get anything if, if they sell, if they do really well, in most cases, um, I just am there to sell franchises. So this gives us mutual alignment with the franchisors. And it's not, hey, we sold a bunch of territories, this brand's slowing down, see you guys later, we really have an investment long term with them. Um, and just gives us more control over helping to support them. And, you know, giving them the resources. Cause as Jeff mentioned, we've had, we've worked with all the major players in the industry. We have people reach out all the time saying, Hey, I want to move into a different role in franchising or, Hey, I had a great successful career here. I'm looking for my next challenge. And we just saw that a lot of these pieces are not being done by the traditional private equity or the you know franchise sales organizations today. So there was that kind of white space that nobody was really doing what we're doing. Let's take advantage and bring just what, what Jeff says, tens. We only want to bring tens to the table. The best franchise development, the best brands, the best founders, the best partners. Um, let's really just do this where we're a master of one, um, not trying to be a jack of all trades, but we really are invested in every single aspect that we're supporting those franchisors. And that's what makes you guys a leading incubator, accelerator, and then strategic advisor to these brands and brands need all of that when they're starting. They don't, you don't know what you don't know. Sometimes that's a benefit if you don't know what you don't know, but it's certainly a hindrance to most brands and coming from franchise development. I think Brittany and I both understand quite a bit how that can work against a brand that you only know what you know, and you're great at one thing and maybe it's donuts, maybe it's something else. But if that's the case, you can get in your own way a lot and it slows down the trajectory. And sometimes you also choose the wrong franchisees. We've seen that many times over coming in in the franchise sales organization space. The first franchisees that were chosen by the franchisor aren't necessarily the people that you would want to bring this brand national. So with all of what you guys do, can you just share with me quickly what the partner's roles are, who's taking what, who's in what seat on the bus, so we can have a better understanding of how this machine works. So I kind of lead up strategy and vision, packaging, delivery, kind of the brand building side. Um, 
Bobby obviously is, is heading up that pillar around franchise development. I mean, it's on the franchise development side of things, it's a talent game. I mean, so much about building any type of business, you, you just, it's, it really just is a talent type of business. It's a talent game. To win, you have to have the best talent. You see it in sports all the time. I mean, like we, we call it kind of building a dream team around a brand and, 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 and that's what you want. You want to make sure that if you are, if, you, if you're aligned with a, with a brand to really kind of grow enterprise value, then you only want the best of the best on the project. So franchise development is, is, is really critical and that's led by Bobby. Then we have uh, an operating partner uh, named Jim Jaggers around finance. He's kind of a savant around operations, <laughs> systems. Uh, he's our implementer. SOPs. Yeah, yeah he's, <laughs> nice. the, he's the implementer and integrator. You gotta have one of those. Um, very methodical, has built, you know, many brands totaling billions of dollars of, of enterprise value combined. So, and then Eric Van Horn is kind of like our content king. I mean, it's, content is king right now. I mean, it's why we're on this podcast, right? You see the value in, in, in great content. And Eric is, uh, I don't know if he's an icon yet. I think he's working towards that, but he's certainly years ago in kind of in the content game. He's also very critical around talent acquisition, especially on the sales and marketing side, you know, leadership, talked about that um, before. So that's kind of the dimensions. So content creation, talent acquisition, uh, strategy, vision, franchise development, and, and then operations. Kind of try to cover all the bases. And then and let me add one more thing and then Bobby, you chime in, but now that's, that's from the partnership piece behind that though, we have, we have fractional talent within our organization that are, that are C level CFO CMO. So our brands can tap into C level talent around finance, operations, marketing, technology. And that's just the layer kind of like right underneath the partners. Yeah. Well, and to add to that, you know, that back to what I mentioned earlier of the challenges I saw with a lot of franchisors, especially as they're growing, emerging, growing quickly, whatever it may be, is they needed access to those, but they usually didn't want to make the investment to hire a CMO, a chief information officer or COO with experience. That's the key. They'd hire someone or they want to promote someone, but they didn't have franchising experience. And again, it, it's like being, a, you, you may have been a COO in manufacturing, but in operations on a franchise or that's a whole different ball game. Like that's changing industries at that point. You really need the top talent as, as Jeff mentioned, building enterprise value in a compressed timeline. We go to our resources and say, we have great CMO level and C-suite executives that we can tap into that doesn't break the bank for our franchisors and they can get access well before they need it. So what Jeff mentioned earlier is, really we start with an end in mind for our franchisors. Like how are we gonna get to where we wanna go and let's build that from day one and not wait but then we also even have from a project management team. So we've got project managers that have worked with franchisees, franchisors, a ton of different projects. So just the talent pool that we have access to um, outside of our partnership, just kind of our resources at Front Street is it's hard to match, in my opinion. That's a great point, because so many times you see in the franchise space that 
a franchisor is growing. And when you say compressed growth, accelerated growth, that's what traditional franchise sales organizations are operating under. Sometimes they grow so quickly that they can't catch up or people have to be shuffled. And who got you there to the first 50 franchisees definitely isn't going to get you to the next step. I mean, I can remember a franchisor telling franchisees that they needed to send out mail pieces. Oh, that's what we're going to do. Just send everything out direct mail. And it's like, okay, so that may have worked when you started your business 25 years ago. Direct mail was the number one piece. We have to move on from that. You can't have a marketing department running on that. And they could have definitely used a fractional CMO to be able to say, here's what we're going to do. This is what we're doing in other successful brands. Now, I've seen the brands you guys have. We're going to have you back on to highlight those. You have been very selective. In fact, one of the brands, GoGlow, I'll, I'll name drop it here. Brittany and I were literally at a conference in March and we said, how is there not a spray tanning brand in franchising? It seems bonkers with the exorbitant amount of money that women we know spend on that type of stuff. When you're looking at brands from your perspective, what is going to make those a great investment opportunity at the franchisor level? What do they need to draw you guys in as a partner? I'll tell you, one of the things that we do first, they need raving fans. I don't care what brand it is, whether it's service or brick and mortar or home services or whatever. I mean, so much. We, we start with the, with the end. Who's the end user? Who's the, who's the customer? Who's the client? Who's, who's, who's the one paying, uh, paying for a service or a product or whatever that's, that's driving revenue? Because we know that we can, that's something that we can really leverage. So if we and we fall in love with a business model, but the reviews are terrible, it, that's just too much work. And it's probably not a great place to start. There's there there are two businesses here. There's an operating business, and then there's the business of franchising that business. When we think about franchising and scaling through the distribution model of franchising, we have to start off with a great foundation, and that great foundation, I'm telling you right now, are raving fans. So, like with the brands that um, you know that we've communicated with you about, we're talking about. One of the brands has a net promoter score of 83 out of 100. One has a, a net promoter score of 93 out of 100. The only brand that you probably know of that has a net promoter score higher than 93 out of 100 is Tesla. They're at 97. But, I mean, Coca-Cola, Procter & Gamble, T-Mobile. These are Apple. Apple's net promoter score is 72, to kind of put that into perspective. Then when you get into the reviews, you want to see consistency across territories, across open locations. I mean, that we want to see that 90 plus percent of all of the all of the reviews through all the different platforms, whether it's Google or Facebook or Yelp or whatever, we want to see that 90 plus percent of the reviews from the customer level are five stars or more, meaning the other 10 percent like it's four stars or less. So like that's that's kind of where we start because we know that we can harness that. There's energy there. And if we have raving fans, then that's ambassadors. So that's kind of where we start now. From there, we kind of go in the opposite direction. We go to the top. I mean, we to invest our time, money, and energy 
into a brand long term and in, in, in a trans you know transformational way we have to we have to be able to leverage a, a, a very more than competent ceo somebody that's been we love grit we love grit and grind more than anything else you know across all the different brands that we've built over the years the ones that have had the greatest amount of success have just really compelling founders a great founder's story i mean storytelling is very, is so critical for any brand to grow so you got to have a great founder story but they got to have that grit and that grind from there there's other tangible items and intangible items that are that are really critical on the tangible side it's you know they talk about like what's the moat around the business like what makes it strategically defensible against competition it's hard when you talk to a brand you're like what makes you different and they're like well our service is better like it's just that's that's tough to it's tough to quantify now if you get into the reviews and every customer is saying the service is better that's one thing but we want something that, that we can leverage a little bit more um and so we want we want we want to see something tangible something proprietary whether the process is proprietary or there's proprietary equipment or there's proprietary products we, we want we want something that's ours right that that, that we that, that we own on the intangible side it's all about goodwill when you look at the valuation of a company you want to see that like a third of the value of the company is goodwill that's the that's basically the value of the brand itself and that's we have to we want we want to we want something that that has really a really strong brand that we can build and then the last piece and then i'll see if bobby wants to chime in on this too is is we want to see that there's brand extension we want to see that if, if it is something that is a is a four wall experience yes we want that to be great we want great unit economics within the four walls but like what kind of business can we build outside of the four walls, right? So it's a lot. We have a brand that that we just launched that has 40 locations. And we have a very, very, very clear vision of how to drive that to 150 to 200 locations. And if that's what we were building, that's a really nice business, right? 5Xing the, lo the location count. That's a, that's a real business. Now, where it gets more transformational is this is a business that this year outside of those 40 locations will do about four million dollars direct to consumer with about a 70 percent net margin we have a very clear vision of how to 5x that as well and get that four million dollars of direct to consumer to 20 million now you take that and you add in the 200 locations now that that's more interesting right well, what if you added a third layer? Today, they have 600 wholesale accounts, and we have a very clear vision of how to 5X that as well and get that to 3,000 wholesale accounts. So now you take a business with 40 locations, 4 million direct to consumer, 600 wholesale accounts, and you grit and grind your way over the next five years to have 200 open locations, 20 million direct to consumer, and 3,000 wholesale accounts, that's, that's powerful. And that's more meaningful than just, you know, just having one leg to the business. So that's kind of what we're looking for. We start with, do they have raving fans? How, how compelling is the CEO? 
What are the tangible items that we can leverage that are ours? What's the power of the brand and the goodwill and the intangibles look like? And then finally, like, how can we, how can we holistically create something much bigger than what is today that is omni-channel and has customers at every, every single layer? So that's, that's my, that's my answer. Bobby, what do you think? That's a, that's a good answer, Jeff. I'm telling you, that's a really good answer, but it, it really does hit on most of those things. And I, I'll even say, you know, the, the brands we've partnered with thus far, and obviously we have quite a few more that are in conversations. Um, we're not going to be stopping at two brands. We'll have more, but they're opposite ends of the spectrum. And I can tell you, you know, they've spoke to other franchise sales organizations and other groups, but it wasn't the right fit. And honestly, even the prior group I was with, they probably wouldn't have taken some of these because some of them don't have 50 franchise locations open like the other. So that is important, but not an end all be all. As Jeff mentioned, we really want just a founder with a growth mindset. Um, we've all seen the the founders that are, I'll call them the guardians. Um, they've got to be a pioneer. They got to be a visionary that we want to work with that is willing to grow and get comfortable being uncomfortable. You have to do that as a franchisor. And also just things about how are they teaching their franchisees? One of the groups we work with uh, that we've partnered with, they do leadership training for the franchisees outside above and beyond just how to run the business, how to be a good leader worth working for. Some of those intangibles that you're not going to see if you just look at a franchise disclosure document, but it's really about the brand itself. And then what are the brand's values? The organization too, like what, who do they want to be? Do they know who they want to be? Do they know who they are? Do they have a brand identity? And is that compelling to Jeff's point is either got to be proprietary, something unique, white space that nobody's really playing. They're creating a market or industry, or they're turning the existing one on its head. We really love that that moat, if you will, around the castle to protect us, because then you're not trading time. So many franchises out there just trade time. We're not trading time. We're literally providing something that most people cannot or won't get. And there's something unique about the experience they're going to get with, with our brands. Um, and then, of course, the cult-like following. We want people that are just absolute rabid. Um, the one franchise that's over 40 locations open today, every single franchisee was a customer first before we started nationwide expansion. So if you want to talk about franchisee validation, that's a big piece of what we look at too. And when we heard that, obviously we, we validated that and talked to the franchisees, but it's, it's almost strangely, you know, exciting, but weird at the same time that everybody can't be this happy, can they? But you know, when you have a good franchise or, and they just do the right thing, you know, there's going to be mistakes as you grow, but are they doing the right thing to make it right? Nobody expects an emerging franchise or to be perfect, nor do, I, nor do we, but we want to make sure that they've got the integrity, they've got the right culture, and they've got the resources in the organization to push through those challenges to get to that 5X like Jeff mentioned. So I think those are the main characteristics we kind of look for, but it all starts with founders, starts with the fans, and then what's the unique selling proposition as well. And there's, there's one more thing that I want to add to, like one of the things that we really have started dialing in on is the labor model. I mean, there's a lot of talk now about challenges in labor. Mm -hmm. And part of the reason why we like really kind of starting with the, the raving fans and the reviews is because we know that if the, if the end customer, the end user is just completely in love, we know that that's stickier on the labor side as well. Right. Because if I if I go to work each day and, and my customers are like over the moon with the product or the service, like that's that like fills up my cup. Right. Like that's that's what they want. 
they don't want to be chewed out by people all day long. So that we, no. we really want to make sure that the labor model is simplistic from, from the person providing the labor. Where it gets really interesting, though, is when the end user thinks that the labor, like there's, it's complex, right? That's, that's where value is created. In other words, like that's a good example at like GoGlow. From the customer's perspective, they're like, I can't get this level of quality anywhere else. Like this person must be the best in the world at this. They must like the training here, like this is a really complex thing. And in reality, like the labor model's easy and you don't have to be licensed to be that technician. Now we can deliver the end product because we do, we have proprietary equipment, proprietary uh, uh, products, which gives us a proprietary process to make it really kind of flawless. But the, the value between the, the, from the technician side, they're like, this is easy and my customers love me. And then from the customer's perspective, they're like, man, they're, they're, this, this person is, this person's out of, out of sight. Like I, I can't imagine getting it anywhere else, but the overall labor model today is something that we really get under the hood on. We want something that's simplistic. It doesn't take a lot of people to run an operation. Um, and, and there's not like real heavy duty, like licensure requirements at a state or federal level. I think, Jeff, I think to share or I'll say consolidate what you said, I, I like the phrase, the illusion of complexity when it comes to labor. It seems really complex, but it's actually really easy to do. But the consumer thinks this is really complex and oh my gosh, there's science. So it, we love that in a labor model because any franchise concept you talk to now, especially if it's a service, like I have some people that own, you know, um, some services that require licensing and they're like, it's it's so hard to find people. So that labor model is more important probably now than it's ever been in franchising. So having a simple labor model with our brands, but with the illusion of complexity is just an absolute game changer. And the franchise candidates understand that too. That is the number one question that I am asked on every single call with every single client. It's the number one concern. And it's one of the things we loved about the models that you've brought forward. You don't need 20 people to open a location. You have ways to recruit and retain and compensate higher. And the brands are fun. People want to work in industries that the customers are happy. So I love that piece. You've talked a lot about what you're looking for in your franchise or partners, but I would love to hear maybe from you, Bobby, what are you looking for from a franchisee perspective? I realize it's going to vary from each brand, but who is a good franchisee candidate? Because it's not right for everyone, just franchising in general. What qualities make for a great franchisee? Yeah. And I think just having some realistic expectations, and I really think that starts with a franchise development group or team or whoever's leading that charge, because it's easy to make a FDD or a investment calculator look really great but let's really talk about how did you get there and making sure you're being transparent of you know if you're going to buy a franchise yes the term semi-absentee the term executive yes that exists and plenty of people will get there but you gotta ask yourself can i do that do i have a track record of being able to manage people remotely so i really think if it's going to be an owner operator we're probably going to have a little looser 
uh, restrictions on who we're looking for because they're going to be in the business. Nobody's going to treat your business like you are. So we want people that are gritty. We want somebody that's at least have a positive outgoing mentality, depending on the brand. Sometimes we want pioneers, but for one of our other brands has 40 locations open. We just need more of an early adopter, honestly, more of a kind of the, the person who's coming in the bell curve kind of in the middle. But other brands we're going to bring that have zero franchises. We truly need pioneers and people that the good analogy I think Jeff used was we want the person that waited for the first iPhone in line for eight hours. Like they believed in the brand value proposition and what they were doing to that industry so much that they literally lined up and waited to be part of that. And we've seen that with some of the brands already. Um, they're just further along in the bell curve now. But, you know, outgoing personal of the businesses we have right now today, and obviously the ones will continue to grow, they're always going to be community-based businesses. So we want people that either have roots or aren't afraid to make roots in that community, especially if they're owner-operator, the person that thinks about, hey, I'm running for mayor of my local town, but I'm not actually running for, for politics. They just are well-connected and they know everyone. They're not afraid to talk to people or they've managed those salespeople who can do that if that's not their skill set. When you look at the semi-absentee, the executive model as you hear, it, the CEO model as you hear it ref ref referenced to often, that one is something that, hey, I, I'm gonna tell people, you need to budget probably more time than you think out of the gates. Again, I would rather set the expectation that somebody's gonna spend 20 hours a week for the first six to 12 months, and they come back a year later and tell me, Bobby, you were way off. I got down to 10 hours a week six months, five months, four months in. I was half the time. Because if you set the expectations in franchise development that, hey, this is a passive investment, go ahead and throw your money and you're gonna make more than you are in the stock market, like franchising probably isn't right for you. It's not a McDonald's, even a McDonald's. You, you put up a McDonald's, you still gotta do a lot of work, manage the labor, make sure customer service is there. And yes, you can make good money, but people don't just walk in and then you, the money doesn't start coming in at a 10, 20% clip. Um, you've got to do the work. The, uh, there's a saying that the only place where work, uh, where success comes before work, excuse me, let's start that over. The only place where success comes before work is the dictionary. And that is so true in franchising. You've got to put in the work and you can't just expect that I'm going to hit the numbers I might see in the FDD or that I heard the top franchisee talking about. You've got to ask yourself, do I have the skill set? Am I willing to do the work? Am I going to be the person that if I lose my general manager, I can step back in and run the business because that's a big fallacy I see is, oh, it's semi-passive. I don't have to learn. I don't need to come to training. That franchise candidate absolutely has to be involved. So hands-on owners, um, the models we have, whether they're going to be the executive or semi-absentee or an owner-operator model, we think both are going to be great and we have validation that supports that as well, um, whether it's being ran locally or another state away. But the work and the skill set to make make that franchise successful, that is going to be the clear determinant. It's not necessarily the market or the model. It's the execution at that local level. I definitely, that jives with everything that we've seen. And I always tell people, if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. And it goes back to when you guys talked about hiring, hiring the right people in franchise development, hiring the right people to be behind the scenes of this franchise and bringing on the right brands you need to have intelligent, competent people at the franchisor level to match with people with realistic expectations. And I think that's where our job meets your job is that we have to set up realistic expectations because at the end of the day, we're placing people in businesses. This is the largest or second largest investment that most people will ever make in their entire lives. But unlike the stock market, it's not set it and forget it. 
it's a lifestyle. Being a business owner, you always hear the word, the term lifestyle business gets tossed around. Oh, it's a lifestyle business. Like, we're just out on the boat and cashing checks at the same time. Is what I think that's like. It is great. You definitely can. You know, today I told Brittany my call canceled. I was able to get my nails done before a conference next week. That was fantastic. Couldn't have done that in a previous position. But it's also, oh, I'm going on vacation in two weeks for a full week. So then, to lead up to that, I'll definitely be working eight to eight to make sure that I have every single thing in line. And people need to understand that. Now, everybody on this call has chosen franchising as the vehicle to for their success, for their business, and really trusted that in some way, shape, or form, franchising was going to be the best thing. We ask two questions at the end of every podcast. The first one I want to ask both of you guys, and Jeff, I'll start with you. What is your personal compelling reason for being in the franchise business? Wow. That's pretty deep. We go deep. Uh, Just at the end. (laughs) That's right. Wowzers. Well, you know, what I love about franchising, I'll get to the, I'll, I'll kind of answer that in a second, but. What I've found is, is that once people find their way in, they never get out. Like there's something really dreamy about that. I mean, in so many other industries, you kind of see people kind of come and go out of an industry, but the industry of franchising um, is really special in the, in the sense that you, uh, once you get in, you don't get out. And what also is really cool about it is, is the fact that like, the friendships that you build within kind of like our bubble, right? Like to the outside world, I think people think that like franchising is so big. And yes, when you look at the statistics of how many people are employed by franchise businesses and and just the total impact um, that franchising has on the economy, like all that's so impressive, but kind of like inside the bubble, the relationships that you can build within it. But I just think it's it's it is so hard. We talk about this a lot. It is so hard for somebody to 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 create a business and then scale that business throughout their their existing region, city, whatever, and continue along that path kind of like as a as a corporate type business and, and replicating and multiplying. It's so hard. I mean, it really is so hard. And I'm not gonna. I'm not here to say that like franchising, um, is is a walk in the park either. But it's different. And I do believe that franchising provides a pathway to 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 really scale in a way that's super meaningful. And 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 it's just so rewarding, you know, as we invest and grow, you know, starting out with emerging brands and to see them have 100 franchisees, 200 franchisees, 300 franchisees, a name, a, a brand name that's recognized. I mean, it's just so rewarding. It's just, it's super cool. So, I mean, that's, that's why I love it. I'm never getting out, but. <laughs> I think all four of us are never getting out, Jeff. Uh, once you get in and you find your way, it's. <laughs> It's yeah, you're you're not getting out alive at least. But no, I, I think the the compelling reason for me, I think Sam, I think it's a great question, is that I think I see franchising as the ultimate equalizer. 
Um, whether you have a Ivy League degree, whether you came from money or you didn't, if you can get your way into it, it's a meritocracy. It's a meritocracy at the end of the day. If you can produce and do great things, you're going to be successful. And it goes back to what I, what I call the three eyes, integrity, influence, and intentionality. If you have those ingredients, a lot of times you can build around that. You can learn the skill set. All of us at some point had zero experience in franchising, but you can really build something great. So I just absolutely love that it's the, it's the ultimate equalizer. As a franchisee for franchisors, it ultimately boils down to, are you following the playbook as a franchisee? Are you doing the work to make it successful? Are you gritty? And as a franchisor, are you obsessed with your franchisee success. If you're obsessed with your franchisee success, you eat, sleep, and breathe how your franchisees do. Are they making money? Are they happy? Are they getting open? The sky's the limit. And, and that's really what I, that's my compelling reason for being in franchising. If I could give you a standing ovation for that, I would. That, I mean, that's fantastic. Thank you guys. And Sam mentioned that we asked two questions. So I'll ask you guys the second one. We love to just share advice with people. So why don't you each give us the best piece of advice that you can share with our listeners? Jump on. I'll do first. I'll give, I'll give you a second. Um, you know, I, I'll make it two pronged. These are both two quotes. I'm a big quote guy. And um, actually, I think one came from one of my sports coaches um, and the other one came from um, actually a candidate that I talked to. I ended up not, not moving forward with anything, but um, I think it's a Henry Ford quote of whether you think you can or you can't, you're right. And so attitude is a choice. Like choose a good one. Choose that. Say you're going to wake up, you're going to be successful. Find a way, you know, to get past because there's, there's always a solution. Every obstacle has probably 20 different solutions. So that's one is whether you think you can or can't, you're right. And as a franchisee, you have to have that mentality that I've been a part of a franchise system that maybe struggled at times, but we were successful because I believed we were going to be successful. And I wrote out a plan and we executed it. On the flip side, the other the other quote I really loved, and this just goes back to, I love to work hard. There's no doubt about that. I, I love what we do. But it was an older gentleman and he told me, I mentioned I had a young son. He said, Bobby, schedule your priorities. Don't prioritize your schedule. And it was so impactful to me that, hey, as a family, you have to schedule your priorities. Otherwise, it's never going to happen. You'll always have an excuse not to go on the vacation, not to go into business for yourself if that's a priority, not to do the things that you need to do because we just live in a busy lifestyle. So, you know, prioritize what's important to you, not just the schedule that you have. So those are just two quotes that really stuck with me that I, you know, years later still reference. Those are great. Yeah, that as a business owner, that second one is something that I really have tried to take to heart, to be very intentional with my time and what was a priority to me. So I love that. What about for you, Jeff? What advice can you share? Yeah, I mean, in business and in life, I mean, I've always believed in three things, work hard, study hard and be coachable. Be a student of life but you gotta you definitely it's you gotta put in the time into building any relationship whether it's in business or 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 personal that's for sure and then and then the other one was something that like my mom just ingrained in me as i was growing up she would always say if there was ever something that i didn't want to do my mom would always say jeffrey fun is where you find it so 
as you go through a business, if there's something that you're going to do or in, or in your personal life that you just don't want to do, trust me, you can find the fun in anything that you do. And, and that will that'll warm your heart and keep you going for the next time. So go find the fun, but don't stop working hard and studying hard and being coachable. I love it. As a franchisee, you have to be coachable. So that's such a great piece and you've got to enjoy what you do and find the fun always. Well, thank you guys thank so you. much for joining us. We really appreciate it. We're so excited to continue to follow along in this venture and be a small, small piece of it. So thank you guys again for joining us. Thanks for having us. Amazing. Thank you for the opportunity. It's been great. So if you'd like to learn more about franchising and diversifying your portfolio through franchising, email us at info at franpathconsulting.com. Follow the FranPath Consulting Podcast on Apple or Spotify. Please rate and review us five stars. You can also follow us on Instagram at FranPath, Facebook and LinkedIn at FranPath Consulting, or go to our website, franpathconsulting.com, to take your free business assessment. Mm -hmm.